Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Well, good morning again, everybody. So grateful for you. So grateful to be here today. I, I want to begin today with a bit of a, uh, our, up, our uh, date up. I'm, I'm going to get it today. Debt update. Woo. Okay. Uh, I, I just want to share with you, you know, um, over, the, over the last seven years, we started with um, 19 million. Um, we were down to 3 million. And now, just so you know, because of your faithful giving, we're continuing to, to lean in. We believe God wants us debt-free in 2023. Amen? Amen. We believe that God is doing this. He's, he's asked us to do it, and so we're, we're going to step in and, and partner with him. And so um, if you want to continue to, I'd ask for you to continue to consider to give above and beyond your tithe and your offering towards this debt. And right now, we, we started with $3 million. We, we have, uh, have 1.4 to go, so we're 52% complete. And how many believe that by faith, God can do something great by the end of the year, right? Because God has much for us. And there's a spiritual principle to this as well that, that once we, we want to be debt-free, we don't want to owe man anything except the debt of love to one another. And that sounds really clever what I just said because it's from the Bible. So we want to do that and we want to obey that and we want to follow God. So let, let me just encourage you as God would lead you to do that. Please help. Please help this, us as a church, church family, get totally out of debt by the end of the year. It's going to be an amazing, an amazing time to celebrate. And then we'll have a big party together, and we won't go into debt to throw the party. Okay? It'll be fantastic. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So uh, we're continuing the, the series on Christ is King, looking at the reality he is king. How do we apply that to our lives? We've looked at these areas of biblical government. There's self-governing, and what does it look like to live under the kingship of Christ and self? We've looked at the church. What does it look like for the church to live under the kingship of Christ? And today, I want to look at something that is going to be touchy for many of us, but I want to look at family. What does it look like for a family to be under the kingship of Christ? Now, this is not just for those who are married. This is for every one of us because God has set each of us in a family. And so he set us in a family, and your scope of how to honor Christ and exercise the kingship of Christ in your family is different depending on your role. But followers of the biblical Jesus have opportunities every day to bring glory to Christ in their families. And so we are to prepare to do that one day, to do it in our current role, whether you're a child or whether you're, um, whether you're married or in, in, that, in, the, in the family as a whole or extended family, we have a responsibility to bring glory to Christ in our families. And so we will be responsible. If you're not married, you will be responsible later for a family. And since Christ is king and since we're living in his kingdom, we must recognize that, that God in his word has given us the purpose, the joy, the order, and the structure of family. Now, to live under the kingship of Christ means that we want to align our lives with what God says in his words about these things in our lives. Self, about our church, about our families. Now, we do know this, that none of us are perfect and none of us have arrived at Jesus' status um, and none of us... Uh, 
are flawless, but we strive to live, to, we, we, we strive to live under the kingship of Jesus and invite him into our lives to help us to apply his kingship. So I do want to start and recognize that there's no other topic, there's no other topic that I'm aware of that provokes more emotion, more, it can be negative or positive emotion than marriage and family. And it's for a couple reasons. One is none of us have been perfect in our relationships within families. Maybe some of us think we're perfect, but if we're honest, we have not been perfect. Amen? Go ahead, point to that person. No, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. We have, all of us have hurt and disappointed those we love within our families. And our families have hurt and disappointed us. And so the purpose of this is for us to receive and acknowledge no family is perfect. And that repentance and forgiveness is at the core and necessity for anyone in a family to bring glory and honor to Christ. So this is not an exercise of, of condemnation and to, to, to feel bad. This is for us to acknowledge what God says in his word, what a family is. And to lift our heads and hearts to what God desires for us and ask him to help us come under his kingship to help us submit to his word so we can reap the benefits of God's purpose for family. God has great blessing for us in family. And here's what I know. We serve a loving and kind and gracious God. And so if I, for, for us to, to say that God's way and his word is somehow not gracious and loving and kind is the opposite of his character. You can't separate God's character from God's word. They go hand in hand. And so God is so gracious. He gives us an order and a structure on how to live the most prosperous lives and to actually live lives that are great joy, that he would come and give us a life to live to the fullest, then we would follow that and come under his leadership and see that happen in our lives. And so that's what we want. So it is God's word that has set the structure of family. It's God's word that determines and speaks to us and shows us what it looks like to live under the kingship of Christ in our family. And so as we lean into this, I want us to open our hearts and, and really allow God to, to move in us. But it's so important though, before we lean in, so important for us to acknowledge that all of us, every single one of us in this room, listening online, every person, particularly in the U.S., we've been influenced by a worldly culture that is controlled by the enemy to destroy family, to destroy what God set up to be a blessing. And so it's this, the culture Influencing families controlled by the enemy so that the family that was designed by God to bring glory to Christ would not do so. And so he's done this through confusing and deceiving Christians regarding the biblical family. So I, I often ask this question, if I was the devil, 
what would I do? If, if family was designed by God to be a blessing, to be a place for people to prosper, to be a blessing to, to the world around us, and it's actually the foundation of society to bring glory to Christ and to, and to, be, and to serve people. If, if I was the devil and I hated everything that God loves and creates, what would I do? I would, I would destroy the family. And so we've seen this happening in, in society. And so we live in a country in which certain leaders have, ex have exalted themselves to the place of King Jesus, God's status, and humanistically and legally redefined what marriage and family is. It's been taught, it's been indoctrinated all the way down to children. And it's a demonic teaching that has over time has undone families. And so we have orphans and we have broken hearts and we have, we have broken homes. And we need to acknowledge God wants his people to rediscover the joy and the purpose of family. And to come under his, his heart and come under his kingship and allow us to align ourselves so that we can walk in everything that God has for us and actually be blessed by it. The, the, the truth is this, man has forgotten who he is on this earth. Man has forgotten that we have a creator and we have a king. And in man's arrogance and man's pride, he has insisted that everyone else forget with him. And so is striving to work in this, in this, this lie and to destroy the families. So I believe if anybody would just wake up just for a moment from the slumber that maybe we've, we've fallen into as, a, as believers and Christians, and we were just honest. If society also would do it, if we were just honest, we could... We could we could recognize the putrid smell of, of the result of the breakdown of biblical family. And it's permeating every area of society and life. But I will tell you this, it is not hopeless because we serve a victorious God who wants to lead his church to, into his blessing, into his purpose he wants to give us his grace and his kindness to come underneath him and begin to reap the benefits of why he designed us, why he called us, why he made us, why he created us, that we could live out a life that we're like, dang, God is so good that he would allow me to live this life out. Do you agree with that? Like we, we want that in our lives. So it's not hopeless. There is a path forward. And so... Today, this is not just, it's not about all the roles of marriage, it's about the understanding of family. But there is a path forward of the restoration for generations to come, but it's an old path. It's an old path, and it needs, to, it's kind of like an old, an old sidewalk that things have grown up over it, and, and you can't see it anymore. It's an old path that needs to be cleared and rediscovered and admired again by the people of God, so that we can be an example to those who are hurting in the world. I'd say most Christians today don't have a biblical understanding of family. Now, this, this isn't a religious understanding. This isn't a church understanding. This is a biblical understanding from God's Word, inspired by Him, 
to give us the life that we really want to live. But most believers don't have a biblical understanding of family. Most think we, we think this, well, you know, listen, I have a piece of paper. I went through a wedding. I said vows and therefore we're married. Or some of us say, well, we, we have to have a place at the end of the day to go to bed. And so family is that place that we hang our hat and do that. But what many don't grasp is what makes a family a family, according to the Bible, is this word that's called a covenant. A covenant meaning it is created by God. We didn't come up with it. It was created by God. And God is the God of all covenants. Therefore, he determines the terms and the structures of the covenant that he creates. God created family. God makes covenants with his people, and his people respond in faith to him. In other words, they, they're like, okay, I don't fully understand, but I, I'm going to respond in faith to you, God. And God honors the covenant, but he sets the terms of it. And God created the covenant of marriage, which in turn creates a family. God, if you look at the, the beginning, if you, look at, if you look back, you see that God is the one who brought Eve to Adam. Why? To create a family. And so to create a family through marriage, and God then was the one who defined what marriage is and was. It goes back to God. Marriage is a covenant that was created by God. It's not a man-made idea. God made it. God created it. And he's the one who defines it in Scripture, and he's the one who establishes it, it when it happens. The covenant of marriage was created by God for the purpose of God, to accomplish the will of God, to be a blessing to us, to be a, a, a place of protection for one another. It's beautiful. It's powerful. And God created it. But the truth is we need to acknowledge before we lean into what a family really is and what God, you know, the blessings that are available to us in family is this. Anything outside of one man and one woman united in the covenant of a marriage, according to the Bible, is actually not marriage. You, you can call a same-sex couple married, but they are not married because God defines what a marriage is not man. What I'm saying is this, the marriage is not a civil man-made thing. It was designed and is the covenant from God to man, and therefore he defines what one is. And so to declare something in a marriage, to, to declare something in a marriage, that, or to declare something is a marriage, that God does not declare is a marriage is like the sound of a one-handed hand clap. Go ahead, try it. It's not there. And so it's just like if a, a, a man can act and declare that he's a woman, but he, he never will be because God defines and designs sex and gender. God is our creator. He is our designer. And to create another narrative that is the opposite of him and his is a total act of rebellion against him. So it's important for us to understand 
the foundational basis of a family. It's important to understand God's design and articulated purpose is not to restrain humanity. It's not to tell, everybody thinks that God, his, this book is all about what you can't do. That's actually not it. It's a book about what you can do through his grace and the blessings that you can walk in. But it's, it's God's design and desire for us to walk in that blessing. It's important we understand that it is this covenant of family that was formed by marriage. It's God's design. It's articulated with a purpose. And we need to understand what it looks like to bring glory to Christ through a biblical Christian family. Genesis 127 says that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male, and female, he created them. First off, it's important to note that humanity did not evolve. We were created with intention, with purpose. We have a father. We have one who didn't have to create humanity, but he did because he wanted to be in a relationship with us. And he could have, he, he created angels, but he didn't make anything in his image except for us. Angels aren't made in the image of God. There's no creation on the earth that was made. It's, it is only humanity. He marked us with his very being. And God created men and women as sexual beings. And part of God's creation, as we just saw, he created the male and female. Gender was designed as a part of God's glorious plan. Jesus affirmed, actually, uh, many times people will attack uh, the New Testament and say, Jesus doesn't affirm, um, you know, this this type of marriage in his ministry, but he affirms biblical marriage. And when some teachers of, uh, of the law, of, of God's word, had twisted, what, what they had done is they had twisted God's word back in Jesus' day and created loopholes so they could divorce their wives just however they wanted. And I mean, I've read into a lot of this. It is the most silliest thing. It's cruel. It's sinful. But it's like if they didn't like a meal she prepared, they could divorce her. They didn't like how she, uh, what she, whatever. I, she wasn't happy in the mornings. They could divorce her. I mean, it was, it's ridiculous. And Jesus was ticked off about this because they were leaving these women destitute, especially in that culture. And so, so they, they, they come to him and try to get him to, to, uh, to align with their purpose. But while he's discussing this with them and correcting them, he says this in Matthew 19. He says, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. And then it says, what therefore God has joined together let not man separate. So God was not only joining Adam and Eve, he actually has joined every married couple together since that time. Why? Because marriage is God's covenant. He joins people together in marriage. God does. We cooperate, but God's the one who does the joining. 
So with that, with understanding it's God who joins a couple together in covenant. It's God who joins and makes a family. You can also then go further and say then man does not have the authority to override God and join something together that God refuses to do so. So I believe that God wants us to recover and rediscover the beauty, the power, the glory of, the provision of, the heart of family and bring glory to Christ through it. So I want to look today at this idea of family and marriage. This is to, first off today, this is kind of the foundation of the rest of this series on family is to understand the foundation of family, to understand the, the, the heart of everything. Most believers today, this is why it's important that, that we spend some time on this because most believers today articulate and, and understand and their understanding of marriage and family is articulated and it comes from a rational place. And so by the rationale, we prove what marriage is through a certificate or parental rights are exercised and proof, through a proof of adoption or, or a blood test. And Christians' view on marriage and family, many of us, is merely through a rational filter of purpose and function, just like a non-Christian. So we need a renewed understanding of the power and significance of marriage and family. We need to understand it biblically. We need to, we need to look at it at its true value. And really, this isn't about a, a, a contract between two people. This is about a covenant that God himself has set himself in the midst of a family. It is God who establishes a marriage and a family. For us to fully understand this, we need to lean into the scriptures. But I want us to, I want to challenge this idea of rational thought regarding how we articulate marriage as Christians. Because most of us were like, oh yeah, it's a certificate and we said vows and uh, then we had sex. So we're married. It's all good. It's all good. But it's so much more than that. Because it was designed as a covenant from God. But I want to challenge this idea of where we are in the world today regarding rationale. I want to read to you a, uh, an illustration regarding why a mere rational explanation of marriage and family is not sufficient. You need to understand. You need to be able to articulate why you're getting married, why you are married, why to your children about marriage and about family. And so this is an illustration about about rationale and how we process these things from a book called The Case for Christian Family. And so the author is Jared Longshore. And I like the illustration because it begins like this. A Christian man and a rationalist walk into a bar. I like it. Just, it just starts off well. And as they sit, they observe that there is a blue chair beside them both. And both men agree on the point for two very different reasons. The Christian man says, well, it's blue because God made it so, and it is God who sustains it, and it is God who created all of the elements in order to, to put it all together. And so the rational man chuckles at the religious fervor of his friend, and he says, the chair is blue. It's self-evident that the chair is blue. I don't need all of your mumbo-jumbo about God's creation, providence, 
and his present, his present, his presence and his kindness in order to assert the simple fact that the chair is blue. This is the situation, though, that for us as Americans, this is where we found ourselves for some time as, as Christians. And so those who had some common sense, we would, we, we would, we could sit down and talk about things. We, okay, we, we disagree on how or why it's blue, but we both know it's blue. So that's where we've been. And so everything's been quite peaceful. If we were to go back to the bar, everything's been quite peaceful in the bar. They, the, the Christian and the rational can, like, okay, we can agree, we disagree how, but we disagree. But eventually, a postmodern man walks into the bar and he joins the conversation. And he tells the two friends that they need to lighten up about the, the object of the question. Because it may be a blue chair to them, but it might be a yellow sofa to someone else. And to another, it might even be a green futon. Who is to say? To each their own. So the Christian man and the rational man, they both know that the postmodern man is out to lunch but they've decided to put up with him. It seemed fine enough to put up with him because he's not holding a gun to anyone's head. He was just being very strange. And at the end of the day, while the intellectual unity is falling apart in this friendly establishment, no one's throwing chairs or breaking beer bottles yet. Now, this is where society has been for a long time, right there. But a new development is upon us. A fourth man walks into the bar, and he goes by the name Pagan Man. As he entered, old western shootout music plays, and the guy behind the bar ducks, and the ladies scatter. He looks at the three men in the bar and says, you are all wrong on that subject. That which you are calling a blue chair is in fact a pink elephant. And a refusal to acknowledge it to be a, a pink elephant, you will be taken off to the gulag. Now the postmodern man has been, this, I'm just reading this illustration, okay? So, so this po the postmodern man who's been smoking the wonky weed this whole time stands up and says, hey, bro, lighten up. Then is swiftly backhanded in the mouth by the pagan man, and he falls to the ground, mumbling about it being okay to be slapped because somebody somewhere thinks that slap was actually an act of love. Rational man, observing the present threat, being begins to inch closer to the Christian man. He's starting to think he needs to hang his observations on something more than human reason. Christian man is the only stable citizen in the bar who can stand up to the pagan man who insists that we all now are to call down up the sun, the moon, and Bruce Jenner a mother. So... I want to begin us talking about family, understanding, not rationale, not, in a, not in, a, in, a, in a rational way, though you can use it, but it's so much more than that. And the Christian church has tried to engage in people, with people, about the truth of God's word from a rational place. And we can. There are proofs of God's, 
of, of the word of God. I've stood in them. There's, a, there's historical proof of the resurrection of Jesus. There's historical proof of, of a Hebrew language, historical proof of the kings of which the, all, all in the scriptures, historical proof of the land. All of that is there. The resurrection of Christ, he, there's historical proof he was seen after his resurrection. All of this is there. But we have to have a greater understanding from a biblical reality about our families, about our faith. See, God did not call us to live by reason alone. And we cannot, I, I'll say that we can survive in peacetime, but we especially cannot survive when false gods show up and we haven't actually, we don't even know how to articulate the covenant of a family. And we avoid it because we don't want to, we, we don't want to be controversial. And so we're tolerant and we don't say anything. We don't speak truth. And then we allow things to work in our own family and we, and we don't speak to them in our own family. And over time, the long game is where we are today. The theologian G. K. Chesterton said this, tolerance is the virtue of the man without convictions. And for most Christians, we're far too much like the rational man, which disconnects our lives and families here on earth with King Jesus. For many Christians, our, our faith is Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, uh, we're, we, we just embrace everything else. But Sunday we have faith. But the pagan man in this illustration has not disconnected to the spiritual reality of the world we live in. He is just connected to the wrong side of the spiritual life, which is the enemy of God, Satan, who despises all things that God created, which is family. So if you were to search on Amazon, books on marriage, Christian marriage, you'd be overwhelmed by the vast amount. I mean, there are, there are, you would be blown away at the figures of money that's generated because of Christians buying books, seminars, conferences, counseling regarding marriage. But actually, that's not a good thing. It's not a good sign, I'll say it that way. It's not the sign that all Christians are trying to work on their marriages. It's actually a sign that our marriages and our families are not healthy. And we are desperately searching for help and we're looking for the magic bullet. And so over the next several weeks here, we're going to unapologetically look at the scriptures and understand and realign and come under the kingship of Christ in our current marriages and our current families. And we're going to make decisions regarding future marriage and future families according to God's word. And we're going to see it as life-giving counsel from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. What Christians must understand, and we must recover, is that the creation of family through marriage is not natural. It's the creation of God. It's a divine creation by God. 
And that's why the dismantling of family has increased over the years because Christians have lost touch with the foundation of their creator and their former and, their, and the one who started their family within marriage. Marriage and family are ordained by God. They're holy and they're a covenant that God created. All of us, even at a wedding, I love doing weddings. And I, I, I love watching as I'm leading this precious couple through their vows and I've got to know them a little bit along the journey. And, and, but what I notice is while we're going through and I'm teaching about this, it's a covenant and, and I don't do long weddings. I may do long sermons, but not weddings, okay? All right. So, but I, I, I walk through what it means and the heart of it and the spirit of it and the covenant of it. I, I love watching the couples in the, in, in, that are there. They, they kind of they start leaning in a little closer to one another. It, it resonates in them. They're like, ah, oh, this is awesome. And oh, I forgot. And why? Because we live in a world that we, that we don't think about the power and the covenant that God established together. And yeah, we may not like each other all the time, but God put us together. He's got a purpose and a plan. And let's apply his purposes and his word to our lives. And let's raise healthy children. And let's glorify Christ. And yeah, that's that's right, Christ is at the center of our marriage. And that's right, we can't do this without Jesus because he's the one who established it. He's the ingredient and the center of it that makes it happen. And I love watching, they just get closer to one another because it resonates deeply in all of us. Why? Because God put it there. Marriage is the forming of a family. It's more than two people deciding to be married. And for a marriage under the kingship of Christ, it's important that we move from humanistic thinking, rash, just merely rational thinking, and we think and understand that we, our marriage, our families were created and, and made by God. Many times we think that it's our choice to get married, and then we're like, hey, God, could you bless this? But there is no marriage without God. God blesses a marriage that is under the terms of how he created the covenant. Acts 17, 28 says, in him, in Christ, we live and move and have our being. And when God joins a man and a woman in marriage, he creates something new that did not exist before the marriage. It did not exist before the couple got married. They are individuals, like for Cheryl and I, she was an individual, I was an individual, she was Cheryl Lewis, I was Jason King. After we were married, and actually right across the street in the old worship center, we were married there by Dr. Russ Fraze. Back I was 20, she was 21 years old. You want to see some funny pictures? Have a look at me when I was 20. <laughs> but before the, before the wedding, you still had Cheryl and you still had Jason. But they were two individuals. But then after the wedding, after the marriage, the Bible says that two become one. Now that's, that's actually not something like we didn't like morph into each other, and now there's just one person walking around. How, how does that happen? 
God does it. Because God made us one. God created the family. So we still have individuals within the family, but he created something brand new. We are now, we were now the kings. It's a brand new family. Cheryl didn't join my family and I didn't join her family. We both left our families and God created through his covenant of marriage a brand new family. It's brand new. You should clap. That's just good stuff. <laughs> yeah, when the preacher's like, they're not clapping, tell them to. Okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> but the family is under the kingship of Christ. And so the family that is under the kingship of Christ recognizes that God created a new thing in covenant with God, and he created something brand new. Ephesians 5.31 says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. It's a mystery because you're like, I don't know. I don't know how that happens. Well, when you get married, you find out. And, and Paul goes on to say, and I'm saying that refers to the church, to Christ and the church. So, but this is about what, what marriage is about. The covenant of marriage is the same way that Jesus interacts with us in his church. It's, it's weird for men, but Jesus is our husband. The church is his bride. And so when we put our faith in Christ, we became a new creation. The old passed away. The old is now made new. We, our identity changes. Our sin is washed away. We are transformed. Why? Because we just created a new family with Jesus Christ and we left all the old and we came into a new relationship with Christ. And now, here we are. Now we get to live from this new family that we're a part of. It's beautiful. It's powerful. It's, it's marriage. That's what God created. Through covenant. Now God instruction leads our family. And yes, in a marriage, there is, there's individuals before. But then we become one. We are individuals within that oneness. And this understanding of marriage and family is crucial. Crucial to the function and operation of a marriage and of a family. This makes you think a little bit about who you're going to marry, I hope. This makes you think about the person you're dating now. Are they husband material? Are they wife material? I often think a lot of a lot of young people who are boyfriends a lot or girlfriends a lot. One of the reasons is because they act like a boyfriend, they act like a girlfriend. If you want to get married, start acting like a husband. Start acting like a wife. Start demonstrating the same characteristic that you would want in your spouse. Start being someone that someone's like, man, I want to make a covenant with you. Get over here, sweetheart.
But this whole thing, this understanding of family, I've, I've wa- I wanted to walk through it slowly so that we can capture this and see it for what it is. It's powerful. And the understanding of marriage, the operation of marriage, when you have children within this family that God created, whether adopted or natural birth, the child becomes a part of what God created through the covenant of marriage. That child becomes a part of that covenant family. For our family, when we had children, our children were born into the family that God created through Cheryl and I's marriage, through that covenant. They became a part of the King family. And just like when we give our lives to Jesus, we become a part of the King's family. When we instruct our kids, when we take them to places, when they go out with friends or off to college, they understand. And we tell them, hey, remember, you're a king. Because you were birthed from this covenant. Because we have strived for them to understand. And each family comes with responsibilities, privileges, as God gives each individual family. But it's the same way as believers. That whatever we go and do, whatever we put our hand to, whatever family we raise, whatever, whatever we do with our lives, we hear, hey, remember, you're a child of the King. Hey, remember who you are. Don't be seduced by someone telling you you're somebody else. No, 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 that's not who you are. You're a child of the king. So act like one. And when you fall short of acting like one, just admit it. And I'll give you the grace and we'll just keep on moving on. But this is the power of marriage. It gives us identity just like Christ and our Marriage with him through faith gives us our identity. We no longer are a part of our old nature. We have a new one. That's also the power and covenant of marriage. So for us, and what I'm asking God to do, how do we change the world? How do we save the world? It begins in the house of God, of us realigning our lives to what God has for us and allowing His grace to heal us, to restore us, to realign our minds, for us to say, Lord, man, I I missed it. Will Will you help me here? Will you give me the strength to do this? Will you heal my heart from this pain that was caused to me through this dysfunctional family relationship? Will you, will you give me the the ability to look at my own and where did I mess up and how do I ask for forgiveness? And Lord, will you, will you, will you bring wholeness back to my life? Will you, will you help me prepare to be in a family that actually glorifies you and gives you honor and is a blast and is satisfying in every aspect of life? And so as we begin to become a family, church family, under the kingship of Christ, we look, it all started with a covenant of marriage. Now I began by saying many times, 
when you talk about family, we just see all of our failures. I do. We see all the things we fell short. We see the conversations we should have had but didn't have. We see, man, we didn't, we didn't live from, from a place of one. We were separate in marriage and all this kind of stuff. This is not to condemn you. What this is, though, is to prepare us and for us to say, all right, Lord, from this moment forward, I want to be an example. And will you use me and will you cleanse me and will you move in my life so that I can be everything you've called me to be so that I can come under your kingship and reap the benefits of my king. It's going to be a great journey. But I would ask if we could, just for a moment, just bow your heads and then we're going to close with some worship. I can imagine that in this room, people listening online, you're deeply challenged. And so I just want to take a moment, just invite God to, to heal us, to restore us, to realign us. Lord, today we, first of all, admit that, that we have been influenced by a narrative regarding family and marriage that is outside of your word. And so, Lord, we just ask you just to cleanse our minds. Help us to see it clearly. Help us to acknowledge the areas that we have gone against what you said. We also acknowledge, God, there are areas in, in our own marriages and families and preparation for marriage and family that we failed. And so, Lord, we just ask you to cleanse us, forgive us. God, we want to lay aside our old thoughts, and we want to put on your thoughts we want to change the way we think, but we don't have the power to do that. So we ask you to do it in us, and we just, we say we want that. We put our faith in that. Lord, today there are people here who have been hurt by other family members, and it's marked them deeply. And that wound has become their identity. And God, I ask you today, through your gracious spirit and power, that you would heal and restore, that those who have been hurt by dysfunctional family and families that were not under the kingship of Christ, that God, they would just open their heart and they would be healed by the good father, the good shepherd, the good groom, you, Jesus. Lord, if there's those of us here today who have hurt others, Lord, just help us to make things right. Give us a soft, humble heart to seek forgiveness and repentance. Lord, I ask you that you would, over these next few moments, just speak to us all in the scope and stage of where we are in family and that we would align our lives with your family. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, visit faith.church. That's faith.church.